0: Welcome to A Walk in My Stilettos, where our goal is to help you walk in your greatness. I'm your host, McKinney Smith. Hey, Faith Walkers. Thank you for taking the time to join us today on the A Walk in My Stilettos podcast. We have conversations with amazing women that are letting us take a step into their shoes. I get inspired when I see another woman succeeding. But as a mindset coach, what interests me more is her backstory and her mindset on how she got there. So today's guest is about to bless us with her testimony, and since you're already here, you may as well subscribe. Today we have Jamisa MacGyver-Bennett. She's a wife, a mother, and CEO of Rosebud's Investments. She's currently the deed holder to 8 Teen properties, all in which she's purchased with no mortgages. She began as a novice investor and is mastering the industry at just 25 years old. And to date, she's helped 800 to 900 others purchase property. And Jamisa was recently welcomed into the Forbes, the culture and community for underrepresented 30 Under 30 list members. Please welcome to the show, Jamisa. Ah,
1: I was smiling so hard. (laughs) It's like, you you know it, then when you hear somebody say it, especially so elegantly, it's like, ah, yes. Thank you so much for having me. No
0: problem. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. You have such an amazing story and I can't wait for the listeners to hear it. So I love to start the show with an icebreaker question, and I'm sure that you probably know what this question is because you listen to the show, but I believe that as women, we have all of these different titles that we go by, and a title that is very significant is our name, because we are called it so many times a day, and our names have meaning. So people, when they're saying our name over and over in a day, they're basically declaring whatever that meaning is. So my first question to you, Jamisa, is do you know what your name means?
1: uh so my middle name means star Mm -hmm. Jamisa. however i'm going to be quite honest i'm so glad my mom's not listening Um, (laughs) no my dad name was james and my grandmom said Jamisa, like that was it and then my mom Mm -hmm. along the way created all of these elaborate meanings for it none of which i've ever authenticated well yeah. when i
0: googled it like you said it's it's not a common name and it's actually your grandmother was correct it it shows online that it was derived from the name james
1: uh-huh. um, but i
0: was able to find one site that had a distinct meaning for jamisa and it says jamisa means achiever and peacemaker
1: which i think is hilarious because <laughs> if you if anybody that knows me i am an overachiever oh my goodness and like an just because I like to instill peace like I have everybody hugging I'm like listen I know what you said I don't know how you felt but let's let's just hug it out so that's a real thing I think <laughs> it's really funny but so wow. that's pretty accurate I think I think I think that's interesting so people
0: are declaring yeah. it to you every time they say your name
1: yeah you and I'm walking I'm walking and in it every
0: single day so Jamisa let's start from the very 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 beginning what did you want to be when you were a little girl
1: I wanted to be a choreographer when I was younger mm. I think that was the First thing that I remember taking an interest in was dancing. Like, I always... Mm. I still am really good at dancing. So, like, when the new dancers come out, my kids are looking at me. Mind you, I'm really not that old, but they're young. So, to them, I'm old. And they're like, how does she know this? (laughs) I'm like, look. I'm I'm still pretty young. I still got it. I I always Mm. like dancing now. So, I wanted to be a choreographer. It was a really good way to express myself. I've always been expressive. Like, that was always my way out. So, I like to dance. Mm -hmm. And then... Getting into my, like, school age years, I was always a problem solver, right? So I wanted to be Mm -hmm. a psychologist really early on. And at the time, it went from, like, counselor to helper because I was always a leader, but I was always the one. You know how you got the school projects and you got that one. I was that one. Like, this is what we're going to do. This is how we do it. I was a problem solver from maybe first Mm. or second grade. I remember when we would take certain tests um, and I would get above average on, like, critical thinking and stuff like that.
0: So seeing as you have always been a problem solver. <laughs> Share with us the story of how Rosebud's investments began.
1: Funniest thing ever. It actually started by me not solving a problem. <laughs> <laughs> the, the irony is, is really crazy. So at the time I was 19 years old and my grandmother, which is my father's mom, she had asked me like, hey, if something was to happen to me, what would happen to my house? And I was just like, what? I don't know. Now, mind you, me and my grandma were really close. I was always her go-to just for things like, hey, I need to go grocery shopping. Could you drive me here? Could you drive me there? But I was always an ear for her. So she just liked to talk to me. I was good at listening and giving advice. Mm -hmm. So she trusted me, and she trusted my word and my advice. But that was one of the things I didn't have an answer to. So I told her, like, I'm not sure, you know, what would happen to it. And then I get into the whole, nothing would happen to you anyway, you know, whatever. So she said, but if something was to happen to me, I would need you to look over the property for me. I'm like, okay, no problem. Like, that's easy for me. I could do that. She said, I would want you to be the landlord, rent it out, don't sell it. This is all we have, but I would want you to pretty much just keep it intact. And that was kind of the end of the conversation. And then over the next few weeks, she was like, okay, so what papers do we sign? Like, really pressing me for it. I'm like, uh, I don't know. And so I'm Googling it, you know, reaching out to different title companies and stuff. Because at the time, I had worked for this guy part-time because I was a Mm -hmm. cashier shop, right? And then I had worked for this guy. He did real estate. And I was his personal assistant and his administrative assistant. So Mm -hmm. I would, like, pick his kids up from school. Uh, They had, like, violin and kumon, so I would do that for him, help him with homework. I just was, like, his extra set of hands. He Mm -hmm. was a family friend. But he was really prominent in real estate. And I literally didn't realize how much mine I actually paid him until later on, which we'll kind of get to that part. Later, but I had asked him, they like, what do I do with this?" And he was like, "Oh, fine, it's your grandma. You would do a dollar deed transfer. It would only be a dollar because she's your grandma." I'm like, "Okay." So I had used one of his resources, which was his title company that he used at the time, um, and they had drawn up this piece of paper that added me to the deed of my grandmother. Gave me a piece of paper. They told me to have it notarized. He walked me through that process, and I want to say in total it might have took maybe an hour worth of work. I mean, getting the paper, printing it, signing it, notarizing it, and that pretty much was that. So she had lived in a property for about an additional year. All was well because, you know, after you do something like that, to me, it was so minute because it was like a sign on a piece of paper. You know, it didn't Mm -hmm. really mean much to me at that time, and I was really young. But that following year, she died. But it may have been something that she knew because I'm telling you she was serious about getting these papers signed. So like I said, just the next year, she passed away. It became a reality for me at that time. Like, no, no, you're a homeowner. It's different. Now, it was debt-free, which was cool. She didn't have any mortgages or anything like that. But you still have taxes. You know, that's on a yearly basis. Where we lived at the time, my husband and I, because at the time we were boyfriend and girlfriend, but we were still together. Mm-hmm. We lived in a place in which we were paying rent. And we had one kid and was expecting our second. Mm-hmm. So the bright idea came like, ding, ding, we can come live here. This is good. And there's mm-hmm. no rent. So we can leave where we are. We can go there. And you kind of walk in. And reality hits you like, oh, my gosh, she still has plastic on her chair, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. So you don't want to be ungrateful, but you're used to living differently. Name starts away your options. What do you do? Well, the easy thing to say is, okay, we're going to get it fixed. So that's what we sought to do, outsourcing, finding different people who are considered contractors. And now, I mean, we're on Angie's list. We're reaching out to family, friends. It's pretty much anybody. So we would have people come in, and they were giving us quotes. But the quotes they were giving us were really expensive, like $30,000, $40,000. Uh, the structure is off. You need to break the walls down. Stuff like that. And I'm like, well, she was just living here. What was wrong with the structure when she was walking up and down the steps? I'm confused. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. it was crazy. But one thing that was really constant was that people were saying, listen, it's a lot of work, but we can get this off your hands. Right now, I got 60000 in cash. Right, Like, walk me to my truck. I'll write the check right now. Like, that was constant amongst every single person, even down to the trash haulers. They want you wow. the They're like, yeah, let me get it. Like, hmm, that was really weird. But that was the first, like, aha moment for me. Like, okay, obviously, this is something good here because a lot of people are asking for it. But I was still holding on to that don't sell it thing. Like, that's mm-hmm. what she said. She said don't sell it. But she also said that she didn't want everybody arguing over it. And I was supposed to be the overseer. And they had to pay me rent, which was difficult because they didn't even pay me mine. I'm the youngest of, like, mm-hmm. the whole tribe. So she has children, including my father. They're all about twice my senior. And everybody needed somewhere to live at the same time. It was crazy. It was like the moment she died, everybody was like, yep, I'm homeless. I was like, hello? Oh, wow. (laughs) So then they started to argue with each other because there's no way. It's a single family home in South Philadelphia. It's a real home. It's pretty small. You're Mm -hmm. not all going to cohabit. Like, you can't all live there. My aunt has a family. My uncle does not. So he's like, I'll take the basement. And I'm like, but she doesn't want to raise her family with you in the basement. It just was weird. My dad was going and changing the locks. And this was before everybody knew about the documentation that I had saying that this is my house because I didn't mm-hmm. feel like that was the proper time. I'm still grieving.
0: Right. Mind of you, course. we were really
1: close. And I mean, they started to go crazy almost instantly. So my grandma, uh, she's Muslim. So you have three days to bury her. Right. By the third day, like locks were being changed. And it, it took my great-grandmom to say, hey, you might want to tell them that they can't do that to stuff." And I was like, just let them change it. It's okay. Like peacemaker. I was like, okay, this is not going to be good. What ended up happening was I made a really good friend. Um, He was the guy who lived directly next door to my grandma. Mm -hmm. Now, something that I wasn't paying attention to was this guy, his whole being, who he was, his three-piece suit, his three-story house with a rooftop deck, uh, his family. He was living next to my grandma, which Mm -hmm. was weird because not too long ago, I mean, a few years prior, there were no houses there. And then a few years prior to that, it was a bunch of abandoned houses. But my young mind, and you know, just a lack of knowledge, never led me to ask the question of why is he here? Mm-hmm. And then why does his house look exactly like the other houses? It's like uniform. Every block besides the ones like my grandmoms who were still standing looked exactly the same. But since we didn't live there, he would reach out to me when my family would do stuff like break in because I still paid the utilities and all for when people came and did quotes and we did and eventually get it cleaned up, My family would break in. They unplugged the deep freezer, let the food go bad. And it was smell so oh, wow. horrible. Like it just was crazy. Like when I say money brings the best and worst out of people, sometimes
0: mm-hmm. they were going
1: insane. I'm pregnant and hormonal. I just, I don't have the time. Mm -hmm. So he would call me and say, hey, you want me to call the cops? You want me to make sure it's locked up? Because he would scare him and say, I'm going to call the police. But he would call me and let me know, hey, I got him away this time. He did a really good job of keeping an eye out on the property. So one day he said, listen, I see you coming back and forth. I see what you have to go through when you are here with them. He understood because I was always really civilized and I could have a conversation. My family, they just was a little different than I was. Mm -hmm. So he said, hey, look, I have a number to this guy. He's a realtor. He helped me purchase this house. You can tell him I sent you. I'm not telling you to do anything one way or another, but maybe he can give you some options. I called him. He sat me down. He's like, So, what is it you want to do? I said, I have no idea. Like, I wanted to fix it, but the number that they're giving me, we can't quite afford. And he's like, You know, you could sell it, right? He's like, We can lift it at 120000 which was crazy because everybody who was offering me money, they were like, Yeah, 60000 no more than that because it needs a ton of work. But here I'm sitting in front of this professional. And he's like 120 now. I didn't know about comps and all of that stuff. So I was like, look, 120 right now, where do I sign? <laughs> sign mm-hmm. the paper. He walked me through that process. I signed the paper. We put it on the market. It sat there for maybe six days. It went into what we call a bidding war. The mm-hmm. highest offer that we got was 152. And I didn't even give him much time. It was like, after seven days, I was like, 152,000. When do we close? Stroke the pen, it was good to go. I think I closed a few weeks after that because the title was clear. And I had $152,000 to my little name.
0: Wow. You talked about you didn't know anything about comparable. So what could that property have sold mm-hmm. for?
1: The plot sickens. So what happened <laughs> is after I closed, the realtor, I guess he was like panicking for me. He's like, I, I want you to sit down with this guy. He's a financial advisor. So I sit down with this guy, which a couple of days after it, and uh, he's like, yeah, so you should do a Roth IRA. I'm like, huh? He's like a Roth IRA. You just give it all to me. I'll hold it till you're 50. I'm like, you want me to go back to work? (laughs) So he's (laughs) like, yeah, you sit there. If you touch it before then, you're penalized. I'm like, so you're telling me to go run up groceries, and I got a $152,000 check. Like, ah, okay, no. He's like, but that's a lot of money. And I think it was a bit of like, this young girl, this baby, like, what is she going to do? And I think that I recall, I don't remember which one asked, but one of them said, we didn't want to do all that money because I respectfully declined, and I told him, like, I'm going to buy houses. And I said it so as a matter of fact. That was funny, because that's exactly what I did, but it was not that effortless as I said it. Um, But mm-hmm. I remember shrugging my shoulders like, duh, I'm going to buy houses. And once he saw that I was really serious about not giving his financial advisor friend my money, he's like, okay, I have another guy you might want to talk to. Um, He's an investor. So that was my first time making the differentiation between real estate agent and real estate investor. investor. And me and this guy, we just clicked instantly. We were of the same descent, really close in age, but he was knowledgeable in real estate. He, he'd done a few deals, a few flips. And he was like, well, what do you want to spend on houses? So I told him. He's like, that's a lot of money. Where'd you get it? So I told him. He <laughs> he's like, he, he had you sell a house for what? Where? Because it was in South Philly, which is really prominent still. And this mm-hmm. was years ago, but still was really good. So he's like, you could have sold that house for three hundred or $400,000. Mm-hmm. Or you could have kept the house and pulled the equity out, fixed it up rented it out like he just giving me terms and he just throwing it all at me at once and i'm like did i do the right thing like i'm in my head like wow it's the cutthroat for sale by owner at a house right here can you afford it you buy it. it's that kind of thing like straight to the point just a little different right and he was giving it to me raw all at once like in a conversation just like me and you were having and i was like well, mm-hmm. where's that three hundred thousand? three hundred thousand? that's a quarter million of a difference so where's the rest of my money so at that point um i didn't get discouraged at all I was upset, I won't lie, really upset. But I didn't get discouraged. (laughs) What I decided to do was use that to fuel my fire of okay, you didn't know that. Don't ever be in a situation where you don't know something like that again. So I jumped here first into it. I started to learn. He was a close mentor of mine because he is where I purchased my first few properties. But I also went to real estate school because remember, Mm -hmm. up until that point I thought that an agent and an investor I'm gonna be honest, I didn't think an investor existed but at that time with my money i was an investor right Um, not by choice just because that's what i said i wanted to do with my money buy more property so when i went to real estate school i learned the terminologies, and i decided that splitting a commission with the broker that wasn't what i wanted to do like i Mm -hmm. didn't want to buy and sell other people's houses i wasn't really interested in that no because i had Mm -hmm. a really good start my cushion was there so what he said was what do you want to do i said well i don't want to go back to work so i need some income producing properties so he introduced me to the term like turnkey which is mm-hmm. a property that you purchase that's pretty much ready to go right away. And it was kind of like a godsend because I had came to him at a time where he needed somebody like me. He had mm-hmm. properties and he was stuck in the middle of a flip, but he had ran out of money. And here I come as the bank, like I got a lot of money. So what <laughs> private he investor. He was me private investor. So mm-hmm. he sold me one property with a tenant already in it. He had a mortgage on it. The mortgage was three hundred a month, but the lady was paying a thousand a month. So the seven was positive cash flow. He like here, put your name on a D, deed. We just Phew. so that was like a subject two. Right. Now I know what a subject two is, but at the time it was like, oh, I get a tenant. And he said out of this thousand, just make sure the three hundred goes to the people. We good then, right? That. He sold me a shell, which he had purchased for twenty five hundred. He tried to sell it to me for twelve, but I was negotiating. And I think <laughs> that he he really liked my spirit. I'm gonna be honest, because he was like, yeah, I ain't gonna get you. So he gave it to me for sixty-five. So then that mm-hmm. was my first show, in which I was supposed to do a full rehab on. And then I still ended up investing in that project um, at like a 30% return on my investment just to get him through the deal, which was another South Philly property. So all he was missing was a little more capital. Once I gave him that capital, I was in that flip with him for maybe six months. And he gave me back my money. So I made $50,000 off of that, which was good.
0: So you had this jumpstart thanks to a blessing from your grandmother and yeah. you made the decision, even though you know you were kind of taken advantage of by the realtor by selling the property yeah. for way less than you could have, but yeah. you took that lesson and you flipped it and you learned to be a real estate investor you learned to have income properties you learned you know you went to real estate school trust me i did real estate full time for six almost seven years i understand it's not easy yeah. you know you you made the initiative to do all these things and now you're helping other mm-hmm. people across other yeah. states to learn to do the same
1: yes yeah. Because ironically it was it's just weird for me because a lot of the decisions i made was just off of the need to survive You have to understand, like, so I was doing a really good job and I had help, but when you're working for someone else, you can never really reach your full potential because jobs are designed for you to do what you are needed to do in that position.
0: Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. There's
1: no real room for growth. I'm the type of person that I can't have a cap on me. I just, I have so much to give. I will run the whole shop right. Like, listen, like, we're the manager because we need to be doing the shift this way when we're doing returns you need to have an incentive so make sure that these hours are done at this time like it was i just always had that mindset i told you i was a leader so mm-hmm. it was always hard for me to work under anything or anybody and what what really is my gift because even now as a consultant is like the only reason why my service is so popular is not because it's real estate real estate is black and white the only mm-hmm. thing that changes is the numbers based on the market it's because mm-hmm. i have the ability to look at an issue and which people think is like large, and I can simplify it. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what I do. So it started off accidentally. I literally just needed properties to supplement the income that I was making at ShopRite. And then once I started buying houses, you understand that once they're rented, there's nothing else for you to do. Right, exactly. You're right, like that's it. Because your tenants that's paying it. the mortgage. That's yeah. it. So it's like, okay, all right, we got a feel for how this thing works. Got this. Mm-hmm. So we can just keep buying houses as you build capital, but people will see me grow. And they saw the difference in me. I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, what's going on? Well, I want to do real estate too. How does this network? Giving them little advice about their different situations. Mm-hmm. Because again, I jumped in doing a bunch of different things. Flipping. I did that flip with the guy. Uh, subject to just stuff that I didn't really know what the terms were. But I was pretty thorough in the process because I've done it. Mm-hmm. And I survived it. So the first thing that happened, it was a couple. And they had like this property in which they wanted to fix it up. It was a married couple. The wife it was her father he needed to fix they didn't have the capital the dad wanted to sell it to them and i was like no 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 that's his daughter do a dollar D transfer pull the equity out right that's exactly what i didn't do but you mm-hmm. pull the equity out give him his money from you know what you pull out and then use the rest to fix it up they mm-hmm. do it they call me in two weeks and they have seventy thousand dollars and they're like thank you i'm like you're welcome <laughs> right <laughs> like, that's it right i get another situation very similar it wasn't of a family member listen i want to buy a house and i have credit and i don't know what to do and i'm just taking on my knowledge that i'm learning because i'm living it and i'm giving it away right mm-hmm. and with this specific person i don't remember the outcome but i remember it was golden because it was like i just have to give you a gift so i'm assuming what they made was a lot of money then mm-hmm. i did it again one more time with a lady and i told her to pull a home equity line of credit out on her property and i remember her getting two hundred thousand dollars. And she was like, oh my gosh, what do you want? I'll buy you anything. And I was like, <laughs> okay, you know, it was just like that. So after a while, I'm like, no, you're really good at this. Um, and what really changed the dynamics is one day the guy that was my mentor, his girlfriend, she was like, we can go to an auction. Like foreclosure? And so she said, auction. Yep. It's like mm-hmm. tax or mortgage foreclosure. So she said, auction. I was like, yeah, that's the place I always wanted to go. And she had this full strategy. Like, she would look up all the houses. Mine just about 1,000 houses a month. Still to this day, because every month since then I've been doing it for like the last Mm -hmm. five years. Mm -hmm. But she had this strategy. All houses these are the numbers. This is what it's worth. Don't bid past this. Blah blah blah. It's really intimidating. It's going to be a group of guys in there. It's different guys because we had different groups of people from different ethnic backgrounds. So you had like Jewish guys, Asian guys, just a bunch of different people, and they were all sticking together. She was like, "It's going to be intimidating, but don't be discouraged." She giving me pep talk.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I remember we walked in there and I bid. The first couple of times by her list, she was like, no, don't bid. Sit down. It well, was the next one. I was like, no. Like, and I kept going. I ended mm-hmm. up being the second bidder on the property. The first person couldn't pay it off. I got that one property for $1,700. Wow. And it was crazy because when I got it for seventeen, I didn't even have to pay for it. I only had to give them 600 and I had 45 days to give them the rest. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, when I was at ShopRite, I did have 1700 I had saved my money to buy a car at ShopRite. So I was really good at managing money even back then. What, 1700 mm-hmm. I got a bag full of money right now. Like, understand that I was in there all the to risk it all. And they like, $1,700, you are the winner. I'm like, something's off. Mm-hmm. I did it again. I did it again. Maybe three, four properties. Like, I couldn't. I was like, borderline addicted. But at that time, that's what changed everything for me. Because I'm like, yo, there's so many people out here who are feeling like they need a lot of money or credit. And I was just going in that process in itself. They didn't ask me for my credit. They didn't require anything from me except $600 and me signing my name on a piece of paper with a money order. Like that was it. When it was time to pay the property off, they needed my ID saying that I was who I am. And that was it. Ten minutes, I own the property for $1,700 in full. I'm not taking on anybody's back debt or anything. I can mm-hmm. come out and sell that $1,700 property for $30,000 if I wanted to. But now it took for me to have money to realize I didn't need it. So then mm. I was like, all right, so the next person that come to me, I'm going to tell them about this. And I did. So that's why my $600 property strategy just, I mean, for the last five years, it has been life-changing for so many people. I had people like cry in the hallway mm-hmm. because all your life, can you think about how many times you spent $600 on it?
0: Exactly.
1: And then now you have and there's one or two ways, like you can get that property and have it. And you're now, now like the first homeowner in your whole family. Or you sell it and you have more money at once than you've ever had. In like your entire it's just life. so fulfilling to me your whole entire life and, and then there's no cap on it. You can do it as many times as you want. And it's not about credentials. It's nobody denying you, telling you what you can't do or you're not good enough or you can't afford it. That mm-hmm. humiliation. All of that stuff is gone. It's not a mortgage. Where they want Mm -hmm. your left arm, your right arm, five bank statements. Some people don't have bank Mm accounts.
0: You have to understand,
1: that's the real life coming from where I grew up. It's not uncommon for a person to not have paperwork. Now, Mm -hmm. in the other side, because it's like the same world, but it's two different sides. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So on one side, people are like, how are you surviving without credentials and paperwork? But then you have families who don't even have these conversations at all. They tell you don't use the bank. Banks are bad. No, you don't use credit. You're going to go in debt or the only time they get credit is if it's for like cable bills and then they, your mom put it in your name. So you started off with bad credit, even though you mm-hmm. never was old enough to have, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And God gave me an opportunity to just change all of that. That whole mindset, just change it. And I'm not going to tell you how I'm going to show you how. And that makes a world of a difference for somebody.
0: It makes a huge difference. I actually, we had, I think it was episode 44, I had a a woman by the name of Leah Sergakis. And we were speaking of when somebody close to you passes Mm -hmm. away, somebody that you're really, really close with. In your case, your grandmother. In her case, it was her grandfather. In my case, it was my grandmother and my sister in the same year. And life completely changes for you. Completely. Mm -hmm. And if you pay attention to the blessings... And if you honor that person that passed, the ceiling comes off. the The mm-hmm. amount of blessings and the amount of doors that open. Like mm-hmm. I'm getting goosebumps as I'm saying this right now because I'm I'm finding this same thing in common with everyone who shares that story with me of you know how they lost somebody and how their life completely changed and how doors just started to fly open for them. And you're not just using that to better just yourself. You know, you're using that to empower other people in the community, to empower people that, like you said, have never understood credit or bank accounts and now they now own property. Like you are changing lives and it's going to be such a ripple effect of what you are doing. And the reason why I was so excited to have you on is how young you are to even understand that you have such a head start and you have all of the energy and the passion behind you. So when I hear numbers like that, you've helped almost a thousand people to date to own and purchase property. Like there are people, me as an example, when I sold real estate full-time for six to seven years, I helped a lot of people, but your numbers are beyond impressive. And what I love is it's not just Pennsylvania that you're focused on. You know, you've serviced yeah. people in over 15 states, is that
1: correct? Yeah. Like- Atlanta, Nashville, <laughs> Tennessee, Miami, uh just North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia. It's weird. I had a person mm-hmm. from like the Bahamas one day contact me and I was like, "Wait a minute. I'm not quite there yet." But give me a mm-hmm. second. She's like, "Well, I've been following you for a while. I know you'll be here soon." I was like, "Okay." <laughs> Because like I said, real estate is black and white and it's just my job to change your mind about what's Mm -hmm. within your reach and what's not. Because you have to understand it's only numbers Mm -hmm. and it doesn't even matter how big the number is. Every number can be reached. It's money. Mm -hmm. Like I was listening to a guy on an interview. He's a rapper, I believe. He said he was sitting down the the day he became a millionaire. He had gotten a wire for 700 and something thousand and five minutes later, he got another wire for 600,000. I believe it was for like a show or an album or the record label, whatever. But he mm-hmm. said within 10 minutes, he became a millionaire. And the only thing yeah. changed in that 10 minutes was numbers. And right. he said that makes it really humbling to walk into a room and understand everybody is 10 minutes away from being rich or broke. Because yeah. that's literally, that's the truth. And yeah. then he had said he doesn't treat people bad because he could be really mean and then you could leave out and hit the lottery for $150 million. And then what does he say? Like, hi, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, like, exactly. But that's how I feel. So like now when I have clients, weirdest thing. I say, uh, what's your short-term goal? Because that's what I do with Rosebud. Rosebud's investments is named after my grandmother because her name is Rose. Mm -hmm. So I'll ask them questions. Four, it's nothing serious. It's really weird. I know when a call starts out, they're like, oh, God. It's like, hey, what's your short-term goal? What's your long-term goal? What's your cash? Mm -hmm. and What's your credit? And then the other question is, what's stopping you? Right? And they're like, Mm -hmm. oh, my God, what did I just pay for but the first few things that they say is important because it's always really similar. And I talk to all different people from all over. Some people, they say, like, I want to make 5000 a month. And I tell them that. I'm mm-hmm. not going to help you with that. That's too small. They're like, too mm-hmm. small? I'm like, yeah. They're like, all right, uh, maybe $7,000. i am like, okay. Right? So I laugh at off, And I tell them, look, remember, it's nothing too big or too small for me. But I want mm-hmm. you to think bigger. So they're like, yeah, I think I'm going to need about eight houses. And they just talking to me. So I'm like, okay, great. I can tell you how to make $12,000 with two properties. And they're like, huh? And I'm like, yeah, you get a triplex. That's three units. Rent each floor out for 2000 If you do one building with that strategy, that's 6000 a month. You mm-hmm. do it twice, that's 12000 a month. But you only want to six, so just send me the other six and then we <laughs> last it all. You know, that takes the weight off of the conversation. But they're like, I never thought of it like that. Of course you didn't. Mm Because even with a single family, you get a variance. You can turn a single family into a triplex because now it's just about zoning. So it's just the things that they don't know. And I'm I'm like coming with the chisel. And it's like, which is why I really love being a mom. Because it's easier to mold the child than it is to chisel an adult. I'm telling Mm, you. Of course. Because adults are stuck in their ways. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, my kids are walking out. I was like, you want to buy this? It's kind of small, mom. Well, where are they going to put the toys, mom? I'm like, listen. Everybody don't have toy rooms, kid. Like they're going to live here. Leave me alone. But you have a grown-up, and they'll limit themselves mm-hmm. just because of what they're used to seeing and what they have been put around. And I'm the one that's yep. like, listen, I grew up with drop ceilings in my house. I got the children a 12-foot Christmas tree. It was real. It took four guys to cut it down. Mm-hmm. You can do anything. And it wasn't a matter of decades. It was a matter of, like, four years.
0: Right. For you. So what what advice would you give to a woman who's considering investing right now?
1: Do it because you are your greatest investment. And there's nothing worse than laying in the bed, tossing and turning about the possibility of what could have happened. At least if you try it and it doesn't work, you know it didn't work. Exactly. But then you also know why it didn't work.
0: Mm-hmm. And then you
1: also know what you can change moving forward to have it work. Because it's like 50-50 with everything in life. See, the upside is that we're going to die anyway. Like that's mm-hmm. the thing. Yeah. Nobody's making it out of this place alive. So, yeah, I
0: agree with you.
1: Keeping that in mind, it's like okay, it's fifty-fifty. Now you roll on the same dice anyway, but if you roll it correctly, you're gonna win something or you're gonna learn something, and that's yes. how I journey Like you gotta think this—this this whole I'm a millionaire about three or four times over now. Mm-hmm. I I started that by by losing that two fifty. Right. Now I could have been the one that's like, oh, real estate is not for me. I didn't know that. I feel stupid. How did I only get 150? Like, I could have really took that a whole different way. I know mm-hmm. people who would have taken it a whole different way. You already know people feel like real estate is full of scams. already. It's already just stigma around it. But I didn't. Mm-hmm. I looked at it a different way, and then I took a different course and direction. So with people, it's like, don't accept failure as an option. Just make everything a lesson for yourself. Because the other dice that your roll is, I'll go to work, do the same job that I've always done, and yeah. just be miserable. Mm-hmm. Or I'll do nothing. For the nothing. rest of your life. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I'll do nothing. But as you're doing nothing, the sun is going up and coming down every Mm -hmm. single day. It'll be another day. It'll be another year. It'll be another birthday. It'll be another holiday. So it's like, yo, what do you really have to lose? If you already been doing the same thing for multiple years or if you're young, because it's like either way, I get clients who are much older than me and I give them a sense of hope. Because like, well, you're still alive and you've been alive for a while. And look what living up to this point has gotten you. Right. But then in order to, you know, you got to ease the bandaid off before you snatch it. It's like, but everything that you have, that has gotten you to this point is all that you really need to get you to the next level because that's the real thing. Surviving is hard. It takes so much more to be broke. <laughs> I don't think people understand it. it I agree with thing. you. I've
0: been on both sides. I agree with you. Uh, I agree.
1: <laughs> I, I remember moving here. Where I live now, it's a nice gated community, big house, 6,000 square feet Homes It's crazy, right? Mm-hmm. And you would think that your water bill, your gas bill, and electric bill will put you in a poorhouse. We have solar panels. We don't pay a gas bill because we have propane tanks on the side of the house. You pay $700. It lasts for about eight months. Then the wow. winter time you might get four to six months. It really depends. The solar panels, your electric bill is probably like $200 every few months. though, so it's not every month. Mm-hmm. The water bill gets crazy depending on how much water you're using. But I'm just thinking about living in Philly. Those PGW bills, was like you're getting a shutoff notice every three months. And it's in the high hundreds. It's like, yeah, you own seven hundred. Oh, it's twelve hundred. I remember that. So what you mean to tell me is, the bigger the house, the lower the cost? This got to be wrong. Okay, Mm -hmm. now even them to the school district. It's like being in poverty. Your mindset is stuck because you're so stuck in survival mode that you don't know what you're actually doing to survive. Once you take a step outside of that and you watch how much it takes a person to survive in certain circumstances and conditions, you're like, yo. You're a superhero, bro. Just imagine if you lessened the load just a little bit. Come over here. Take that same energy drive and bring it over. And that's why I dominate over here. But
0: what inspires you the most about what you do?
1: Being a mom still because mm-hmm. I just think about every other mom. Mm-hmm. Because I'm not big on running the same race twice. Like, if I can get all the way there and pass you the baton, I'm all for it. So just seeing those moms that right. felt like they had nothing to give to their children, seeing those families. Just being able to start something different, because we say like Black Lives Matter, and we talk a lot about breaking generational curses and just different things. I'm really into women. Like I mm-hmm. just love, I just love strong women because I feel like we are the pillar of everything. Now mm-hmm. we need men. It's a great balance. It's a good support. But like, use a car for an example. The men are the engine, big, souped up, they're ready to go, but they have no idea where they're going. Like, <laughs> okay, man. Yep. My husband can't hear me. I'm hiding in the basement. He's <laughs> ready. Okay. Tank is full, nice mm-hmm. B6, and it's, and he's like, we i I'm like, hello? <laughs> uh, right? So it's us. And while it is a really good balance, we need each other. Mm-hmm. But it's women that hold it together, the nurturers, the supporters, yes. the analysts, that strategic thing, Uh, you know, the pat on the back when it doesn't go right, that mm-hmm. cheer or that hooray when it does go right. So I'm an advocate for women. And one of the things that I like is that my job is not women empowerment. Because I go to a lot of seminars and they have me speak. And it's everybody on there motivating them, telling them what they could do and all of that. I hate it. Mm -hmm. Because once you go home, you're like, I could do it. But it's not done. I'm still saying. need action. As soon as you leave. So with me, it's like, okay, I'm going to hold your hand and I'm going to show you this process. And I think the best way to empower a woman and to uplift the household is to give her ownership. Because that's real power. Mm -hmm. So that's why I love what I do. It's just so crazy because you just think about it. Everything comes from women. Now, we originally came from men. But then everything else comes from woman, like that creation, the birth that we have, and just with my company. Everything that it reproduces from comes from a woman. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And it's like, even with the company, it came from my grandma.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I came from her having my dad. So it's like, just all of that, and then everything I have after that, just like, you know, reverts back to the original beginning. And it's like, she had no idea. Because mm-hmm. it wasn't like I waited forever after she died to sell it. It literally was like 10, 11 months. Because I stuck out for a while, I was feeling mm-hmm. kind of guilty. She asked me not to sell the property, but I remember something so vividly when she said, "This is all we have," mm-hmm. and I just, for a second, want to just be like, "Grandma, look, that's not all we have anymore." Like that one house you wanted me to rotate between family members, I have a house for every last one of them if they really need it. Right. Look, Grandma, they don't even need it. Like,
0: right, right. It's,
1: it's so elating to just think about the journey in itself but I really 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 love what I do
0: I have like goosebumps right now as you're saying that Woo! okay (laughs) so I mean you've spoken to how you know you've been able to be mentored and you now mentor so many others in that same way because you realize the importance of mentorship so I want you if you could think of what you would say the benefit of mentorship has been
1: it's been life-changing because Mm -hmm. it's easier to learn from a mistake that you see Cause you can get the lesson a little quicker than if you actually are living through it
0: mm-hmm. so if i
1: step in poop and i say hey look i just stepped in it watch it it's going to be easy for you um instead of you trying to sniff out where the poop actually is you know what i'm saying Yeah, it's, it's, it's just it's just completely easier to just watch a person where you say you want to go because if you get around somebody who is doing exactly what you want to do you can kind of watch what to expect mm-hmm. um without having to be in it because like once you're in a situation You don't have much time to figure stuff out. Like at that point, it's do or die. So you're starting to make certain decisions and you could be moving off of desperation and you don't really have the knowledge. Whereas uh, if you take a step back and just live vicariously curiously through someone else, you can weigh options. The pros Mm -hmm. and cons. So you can see how they've done it. Okay, did that work for them? You know, how would you feel if you had done it the same way? Are you comfortable with what they did? You know, just kind of learning how they think. Even if you Mm -hmm. don't think exactly what they do. 'Cause there's some things that I learned from my mentor because I watched him make mistakes and I was like, Oh, I'm never doing it. <laughs> never. <laughs> right. I so love that. It's definitely that. worth it.
0: I love that so much because I keep thinking how articulate you are and how people underestimate your generation. I mean <laughs> I have a daughter who's turning twenty two and I you know, I hope she doesn't ever listen to this episode, but it's mind blowing the difference in the level of, of perspective. And I do my best to mentor her. That's what I do for a living. I coach and mentor people on their mindset. Yeah. But I guess maybe because we live in the same household, it goes, mm-hmm. you know, over her head. But just listening to ah. now, I'm <laughs> seeing the value that so many women of all ages can gain from it. And I love, you know, the idea of coaching and mentorship. And it upsets me when I read something somewhere where, you know, people are downplaying or bashing the idea of coaches and and mentorship it doesn't it doesn't make any sense sense. to me at all so with everything that you've had to go through and because you're a woman and because you're young and you know you're a mom and a wife and all these things i can only imagine the amount of adversities and pushbacks that you've had to deal with (laughs) is there any in particular that comes to mind
1: i mean it was from the very start even with the whole setup with the financial advisor to me you were underestimating Mm -hmm. the fact that i was able to manage and control my own money Mm -hmm. literally. Um, it's times when I'm at the posing table with certain people, and it's just like they can't believe it until they see me come with a cashier's check and they're looking at me it just it just changes so fast, it's really funny because I don't talk first. Mm-hmm. I don't really like talking like i'm a, right. I'm a really high eye. I. I took the disc assessment, so like my personality is a really high eye um and then d so I have a dominant trait I have a really uh what is it influential trait As when you just like the speaker people's person. But when I'm in certain environments, I don't speak much. out. Mm-hmm. just let them think whatever. Mm-hmm. And then when I open my mouth, the level of power that comes out. Right. It's like you command attention at that point. But it's not in a cocky way. Not right. arrogant, not boastful at all. It's a matter of fact. It's very intelligent. And mm-hmm. this is what it is. You just kind of get that. But you have it all the time. Like I'm a young mom. I currently have three children. Mm-hmm. One years old, two years old, and five years old. My line is two. She'll be three next week. You mm-hmm. see this this mom with these babies, they don't think. Matter of fact, perfect example. I was in Atlanta the other day. My husband and my mom, we took the, the middle child because, you know, it can get mm-hmm. crazy.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: my great-grandmom, <laughs> who I was able to retire, by the way, after this whole real estate. God bless came to you. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Because she retired four times prior to me doing real estate. I She had a daycare job, a post office job. She worked at the candy factory for 30 years. I said, listen, just come over here and just babysit. Please, please quit. All jobs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Please quit our so she did it. So thank God for that because she raised me. So it's a special kind of thing. So we had left the other two home. We take Milan. We are leaving from the hotel to the airport. It's time to go home. And the Uber driver, she's just driving us casual conversation. She's laughing because Milan is telling me her iPad doesn't have service and she cannot stop laughing at a two-year-old talking about service. It was funny. <laughs> and then I had saw something on the back of her passenger side. It said, do you need help monthly with bills or supplement income or something so I said yeah can you tell me more about that because I'm a mentor right so I help people Mm -hmm. find different ways so the first thing I thought was this would be good to share with the group I want to know what she has to say and Mm -hmm. she she asked the first question she said are you guys married so in unison we said yes because we are married Mm -hmm. and then she was like yeah so what you guys would have to do is pretty much you sign up and you say what bills you're struggling with or something something and I was like oh no it wouldn't be for us so we currently do real estate but we have a million properties and we're millionaires, mm-hmm. by the way. Like, not saying it that way, but just in sharing a story. it came out organically. I told her, she was mind blown, And she didn't mm-hmm. say much at that time because she had to drop us off at the airport. I gave her my card and said that I would like for her to come speak to my group because I do a uh, weekly class every single Sunday. We do it via Zoom. And I told her I would like her to come talk about that program to my fellow mentees.
0: Mm-hmm. So when I
1: had talked to her, like, the next couple of days, she was like, I just completely judged you. I was just thinking, y'all was just some young people with kids. I would have never thought." it. She's like, then I Googled you. And I was (laughs) like, she she was so embarrassed. I was like, oh, please, I get that all the time. It's okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's the thing. But she's like, I just, you're just so humble. You're just so quiet. you just so, I was like, well, I don't think I'm supposed to run around like I'm rich. I don't require special attention. I'm already okay. Right? Right. You don't want to make people feel uncomfortable, but. Yeah, that was recent. So I'll just share that because she told me, she's like, oh, no, I judged you. I would have never guessed. I was like, good. (laughs) (laughs) I
0: can totally relate to that because, I mean, I was definitely a young mom. I had my first at 17. I have three children. And although I'm turning 40, I've had many people that don't even believe I'm Past 30. So you look really good. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) But I've been places where people immediately judged me. I've been places Mm -hmm. where they side eye you or whatever. And then someone Mm -hmm. else will say something. And then like you, I don't Mm -hmm. speak much. I'm not a talker. And I don't have this big ego where I need to, you know, command attention when I walk into a room. So they just assume, Mm -hmm. okay, well, whatever. Who's she? She's nobody, Mm -hmm. whatever. And I've had people that have either heard my name or someone in the room has said something about me or tried to edify yeah. me and people will Google me and literally come up to me and say, oh my God,
1: like, I, I had no it idea. You.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've gone to group resorts and, and things like that with people and hung out with people for days. And on yep. the last day, they'll say something like, <laughs> hold on a second. And they're like, are you? And they'll bring me their phone. <laughs> like Yes, actually, I am. They're like, how come you didn't tell us? Why didn't you
1: say anything? I'm I'm not
0: going to walk into a room and say, hey, guys, I have like four published books out and I have an app and I have a podcast and I coach people and my mentor is a multi-billionaire. Like,
1: (laughs) who does that? (laughs) Creeps. Creeps that don't really believe. what they are like that's the only type of people who need that justification. I'm laughing. I had sat in a crowd before at a seminar and the guy goes up and he's doing this elaborate introduction. He's like, Yeah, she's twenty five and she's blah 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 blah. Give it up her Jamisa. So I get up, walk up, do my little speech, come and sit back down. The guy next to me was like, Why wouldn't you say anything? Like you, you didn't say anything. I said, like, Well what exactly did you want me to say to you? We are sitting together really nice you know atmosphere i wasn't gonna blow it like you know i'm awesome i think it's just so weird because it's it's a really thin line between you know being comfortable in your skin and -hmm. then just coming off snobbish because if you walk up with your resume on your shirt it's weird what are you looking for what type of validation or praise are you really looking for in that moment and i'm not that person
0: exactly i've gone to networking events and women will literally stick their hand out say their name and then say I'm an internationally published best-selling author. And
1: And you don't want to talk to her anymore. (laughs) No. (laughs) You do not want to talk to her anymore. If I
0: was an egotistical person, I would have been like, yeah, and hey, I have four internationally published books too but no yeah. you know what i mean it's it's like the humility yeah. you just want to have an impact you're not looking to mm-hmm. to have a nah. big name or have these you know i totally get you girl
1: so yeah cuz you can't block <laughs> your blessings that way i'm telling you it's so funny for 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 like craps and giggles i was in the game mm-hmm. at a tony robbins event and they had like a q and a segment and kevin o'leary was the keynote I stand up, really weird, because at that point, I actually wanted the people in the room to know who I was, because it was day two, and I wanted to convert clients. Mm -hmm. So I got this thing where I'll ask a question that's not really a question, it's an introduction. So I stand up, say, hi, I'm Jamisa, I'm 25 years old, and I'm a new millionaire. And my question is, since you came from humble beginnings, such as I did, you know, how do you overcome, you know, letting go of your old family and your own background? Mm -hmm. So Kevin, he said, you're 25, you a millionaire? Well, how'd you get it? Did somebody give it to you? And the people go, oh, my God, that was so disrespectful. I said, oh, no, no. You guys took it as disrespect. I took it as opportunity. I said, right. no. I did a dollar D transfer and sold a property for one fifty two, and I reinvested it. Now, I currently have, I think it was like 17 properties at that time. He was—he made everybody stop and clap
0: When mm-hmm. I tell you,
1: you got to see it. It's on my IGTV. Funny. You got to see how the next just turned. Like, they wasn't paying me any mind. Mm-hmm. I said that. The people in the room was one thing; they were mm-hmm. turning their neck. The rest of the weekend, it was congratulations on your new status. I had people Google me. <laughs> I got so many. I got so many clients from that. But he was shocked. To himself. He said, did somebody give it to you? Yeah, Kevin, because people are running around giving away a million dollars. No, dude, that's not what happened. <laughs> that's not mm. what happened. But yeah, that was funny too. But when you're really intentional and you know what you want, you know how to get it, and it doesn't. It doesn't yeah. take a bunch of, you
0: know. I, I love that. I love that. I love your humility. So. I want to know, as a wife, as a mom, as a real estate investor, as a mentor, you have all these things that you're doing. How do you take care of Jamisa? What is your self-care routine look like?
1: I'll do a walk. And then I'll I'll incorporate my walk because walking is really peaceful for me. But then I learned to incorporate work with my walk. So I will go live, which Mm is a chance to talk to my clients. I'm already walking from my home, you know, sanity. That's my time away from the kids. So it's quiet. It's really serene. But now that's a good marketing strategy, too, because you get to see my neighborhood. People are really enthused by what they see, not what you say sometimes. So right. that works for me. Making sure that I get a massage every so often. I like massages. They work.
0: Mm-hmm. Really
1: healthy. I do yoga. I have made it a point to have my children do yoga now, too, with me. It's fun wow. for them. They have no idea what tree pose is, but they just like, <laughs> I'm going to floor with mommy. I try to have my husband do yoga. He's like over it. So he likes to work out. So we'll do the walking thing together, or I'll go to the gym with him.
0: Cause mm-hmm. we have a gym
1: here and I'll just pretend I'm working out, you know, just finding, finding different things and kind of taking the box away. I do not like mm-hmm. living in a box. So when we travel, they always try to make you feel like you have to pick, you have to pick between freedom and motherhood mm-hmm. and being a business owner. And I don't like I did a mastermind for my group. I took all three of my children. I got nothing but compliments. People are embarrassed because they got kids running around. Kids are not supposed to be quiet. They only mm-hmm. are supposed to be respectful. My children were not the quietest, but they were like, excuse me, mom, can we have another popsicle? Like, they were just talking to me. I'm like, yeah, cool. After that, they went on, played the little game Netflix on the iPad. And it was like, do your kids always act like that? I'm like, yeah, I don't train them. Like, this is a real thing. <laughs> but they're like, mom, no, you not have to pick. If they there, what you take them?
0: That'll mm-hmm.
1: appeal to another mom. When we do trips, they all have passports. I don't feel like I need to leave my kids home and enjoy myself. I actually like them.
0: Right. And you created be the lifestyle worried, that you can afford uh, to bring
1: them. Yeah, and then you just get a nanny. And it just so happened that uh, it's my grandma, so I trust her a whole lot. So she's not a nanny, but we bring her too. So if I feel like I need to go do an excursion without them, okay, are you guys cool here? Are you going to? Sometimes we do cruises, so the mm-hmm. type of trip changes based off of what we're doing. If we're taking a whole family, we'll do a cruise because everything is pretty endless. There's not that much stress, mm-hmm. you know. If I feel like I need something for me and my husband, we'll fly out really quickly to like Miami or Vegas, so we're close enough or far enough. It's just different things. I just kind of live life on my own
0: terms. Yeah, I so. love that. I love that. So I read this article in Reader's Digest, and I've been using it on every episode because I'm obsessed with it. And <laughs> it basically says that your favorite type of shoe says a lot about your personality. So my question to you, <sighs> Jamisa, <laughs> what is your favorite type of shoe? Is it a boot, a running shoe, a walking shoe, a flip flop, a stiletto,
1: wedge, mule, pump? <laughs> I'm gonna say I'm gonna say UGGs. My, I have Ugg slippers on right now, so it's not just the boot. It's just the comfort of them, like the cushion, the diversity of an Ugg. Dress mm-hmm. it up, dress it down. I really like Uggs, but I really like high heels, too. See, It depends on the jamisa you get. <laughs> jamisas, typically standard, I go for comfort. That's my thing. Ugg slippers, Uggs, you know, that's my thing. But the other jamisa really like shoes, and I like the pumps. I like the platform because I like high heels. Like I love pumps. Okay. So let's let's go me. with the
0: pumps. <sighs> let's what yeah. say?
1: Because they're saying that
0: pump fans are boss women. Yeah. So <laughs> I love pumps. You're you're a total girl boss and you know it. You're competitive, resolute and intimidating to those who can't keep up with your pace. This is the most mature of all the shoes. It's someone who's caring, efficient, and powerful. They're usually in a leadership role, and when everything is falling down around you, everyone will turn to the pump woman and say, "What now?" And then now? <laughs> you will step in and <laughs> kick ass and take care of business. Does that sound like you? That's crazy. You are spot on <laughs> well with your
1: definition. You are like. She like, nope, we're going to leave the UG because this sounds like you right here. I think like, you're absolutely <laughs> right. I'm 100%. Because if I had it my way, I wouldn't walk around the Uggs all day anyway. So, yeah. Yeah, there you yeah, go. 100%. There you go.
0: <laughs> so, before we go to the final segment of questions, Jimmy, so I want you to tell people where they can stay connected with you online.
1: Okay. So, on Instagram, I am at rosebudsinvestments. Mm-hmm. The word rosebuds is plural and investments is plural. Okay. Website is www.rosebudsinvestments.com. Facebook is the same, Rosebuzz Investments. You could give us a call, 267-419-ROSE, which is 7673.
0: Perfect. Okay. So what I will do is I'll make sure that I have the links to all of your socials where they can just click under your episode in the details and okay. follow you directly. And for the final segment, I like to call it a walk in her stilettos, where you just share general answers from some reflection questions. What new belief, behavior or habit has improved your life in the last five
1: years? Being intentional, Mm because remember in the beginning, I said that I will overcompensate for the feelings of others. Once I started to realize that they're going to feel the way they feel anyway, and I Mm -hmm. couldn't really control that. I started to be more intentional in my direction. Like, I'm not going to do this to make this person happy. I'm going to do what needs to be done, and they'll conform or they'll walk away. And Mm -hmm. the good news for me is whatever does happen is exactly what was supposed to happen.
0: Amen. Yes.
1: Last question. What impact do you want to have on the world? So one of my other mentors, her name is Nicole Purvey. She said she wanted world domination. Um, (laughs) And that stuck out to me because I was thinking, like, do you want to dominate the world? No, you don't really want to dominate the world. But if I can have at least a million, like a million women or a million, I'll say families, because I'm really big on family. If I can have a million families just make the transition from the poverty mindset into the wealth mindset, you know, having ownership, having that credit, having options and having freedom, that's what would be ideal for me. Just a million families because I know and with doing that. I have set the tone and, you know, planted seeds for a million more.
0: I love it. Oh, my God. Thank you so much, Jamisa, for coming on and sharing your story with us. And I want people to know, here's the thing. I think you had messaged me twice on Instagram. I didn't see it because it goes <laughs> into my other inbox. So I didn't see it. And I don't even know if it was like months apart when you sent those messages. But then
1: consistent. you
0: didn't <laughs> give up. You sent me another you sent me an email after that to basically share your story and why it would be a great fit for my audience. When I spoke to you, I said what I loved about that is I get PR that pitches their clients to me all the time. And nine times out of 10, nine and a half times out of 10, I decline because the pitch is them trying to sell their business and mm-hmm. to sell whatever it is that they're doing. So they're not really going to be a value to my audience because my audience is coming to hear your story, right? They're they're trying to pitch themselves. They're not looking at what's best for the audience. But I loved, one, your persistence. And two, your pitch was you knew what would be of value to my audience. And I want to thank you for being persistent. And I want to thank you for personally reaching out to me to share your story because it is so powerful and it is so inspiring that I would have kicked myself if I had seen your messages later and I had ignored them. (laughs) (laughs) I I feel like this connection will definitely be a long-term connection because once we're done recording, I need to speak to you individually. But I I want people to really understand that you were young when you got this opportunity. You're still young now, and you are changing so many lives. You're making such a huge difference, and there are people out here who are twice or three times your age that feel like they can't do certain things and you're opening people's eyes. And I just want to thank you for being you.
1: Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity. Because like, I was kicking the door down. I'm like, oh, nope, I told her. This is good. <laughs> I listened to the show too. it's really organic. I was like, no, no, no. No, they got to know. They got, Okay, so maybe you will email it. If you didn't respond to the email, I had another email, too. I would have sent it to you from there because I'm like, well, sometimes <laughs> you're busy. So the message wasn't read. It's not like you had opened it. I'm like, nope. Let's it yes. again because maybe you need to push yourself to the top.
0: Like, <laughs> yeah, really no, you're thinking. a smart girl. Yeah. I thank you for that. Yeah. Thank you because and I I want people to to know that as well. Like sometimes if you don't get an immediate response from somebody, especially when they're dealing with so many messages and so many different platforms yep. and so many emails, don't take it as a no. They may not have seen it or they may uh-huh. you, I have emails that I've opened and I put a star beside and say, "Okay, I need to make time to respond back to this person and life happens mm-hmm. and it gets pushed to the bottom of the list and if they don't send another follow-up email it gets lost yeah. so I just want to thank you follow-up Thank you. That's,
1: <laughs> the, that's the power the power is in the follow-up and you guys put your like your egos to the side it's not all about oh she didn't like it. it's not there you gotta understand exactly. that life happens for everybody you want somebody's attention but they still have a whole world outside of what it is that you are asking them to do for you.
0: Thank you so much. I swear, you're like an old soul. Thank you so much, Jamisa. (laughs) I learned so much from you today, and I cannot wait till this episode airs to share it with everyone else.
1: Thank you. It's going to be exciting. I think (laughs) (laughs) so. Most definitely.
0: And to all of you faith walkers out there until next time, subscribe to our newsletter at a and make sure you grab one of my personal development books that are available online everywhere. And if you've received value from today's show, please share it with a friend that needs to hear Jamisa's testimony. Be sure to screenshot this week's episode and tag us on Instagram at Rosebud's Investments and the real McKinney Smith and continue to walk in greatness in your stilettos in a manner worthy of your calling.